is your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers. Turn, hand off the middle, hit in the backfield and drilled. Again, 13's there to make the tackle. Nebraska wins its fifth national championship. Giving you an inside look at everything going on in Husker Nation, this is the KLIN Husker Hour. Strike right, three called, and the Huskers are the Big Ten Conference champions. Dunstead got it! Underdog and then one! Exclamation point! Pump the brakes! Now your hosts, KLIN contributor Cole Stukenholz and KLIN reporter Matt McMaster. Good Saturday morning. Welcome to another edition of the KLIN Husker Hour. It is game week. It is five days away from Husker football. Nebraska volleyball is playing all weekend long, and Nebraska volleyball day is coming up next week as well. It's it's a very busy time. It's a very exciting time. We made it. We are not looking back now. We are looking forward. We are not done. We're not done previewing. We have a little bit more previewing to do, and then we've got actual games and stuff. When will we ever be done previewing? Like, <laughs> I feel like my entire career is just one big preview. You know, it's just one big preview segment of radio, TV. No matter what I do, we're always previewing something. Before it happens, when you're when you're in the dating world, you're going to be previewing, you know the. the no, I'm. To come. Uh, we're not talking about my dating life on on the radio. That's fine. Uh, uh, my my professional speaking. professional career <laughs> is just previewing, always previewing. We're here, we're here. We are, uh, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So what? Five days away. Five days. Yeah. <sighs> five days. I'll be out there. By it, the way, you know, I know a lot of people are like, "Boy, it flew by." No, it didn't. <laughs> No, it did. It's been. This has been. I feel like people have been waiting for this game since Scott Frost got fired. Feel like as soon as he got fired, it was kind of like, all right, Mickey's going to come in, and we'll see how the rest of the season goes, and this and that, or whatever. But there was always the can't wait for next year to start. I mean, I feel like people yeah. have been waiting for this game since they lost to Northwestern. You know, it's just it's been that long of a wait. There's been so much hype. So much anticipation, and now it's like you're here and you don't know what to do, other than watch and and hope, I guess, if you're a fan. Yeah, it's it is. I agree that it has taken a little bit longer than it feels like. It took longer than usual. It feels like an eternity. Feels like it. the The thing that is exciting at this point every season is still exciting for this particular team. I mean, anytime you haven't lost a game yet, you're always going to have that feeling of hey. Anything can happen. Just look at TCU last year. Anything can happen. And while I don't think many people are expecting a whole lot out of this particular edition of the football team, I I do feel like there is a sense of excitement just over what is the defense going to look like? What is the offense going to look like? How are they going to line up against a team like Minnesota who stylistically is, according to Matt Rule, going to play like the way Matt Nebraska wants to play and all of those things are what I'm really looking forward to is just how those things play out as Matt Rule's plan goes into effect the players actually get a chance to go show what they've been working on throughout the entire offseason guys like Alex Bullock who won the starting wide receiver job over Marcus Washington get to prove hey this is why I earned this job. Guys like Gabe Irvin, this is why I earned this job. Jeff Sims, this is why my head coach calls me an NFL player. Yeah. All of those guys have a chance to go out in five days and prove it. And that is the exciting part because it's been all talk. While Matt Rule is great at talking, he's also been he's proven to be a pretty good football coach as well. I'm looking forward to the coaching aspect of his career finally starting on Thursday. Look, this game's all about the trenches when you play against Minnesota, and they lost. Minnesota, now, first time in a while. This Minnesota team has question marks on that offensive line. They had three guys who won all Big Ten honors last year. All three of them gone. One of them, Schmitz, he got drafted by New York. He was believed to be, like, the steal of the draft. One of the I best mean, centers it, it, in the country. I mean, he was incredible. He's gone. But they lost Ibrahim. No more Tanner Morgan. They still have some really good playmakers on the team. They got Sean Tyler. He's from Western Michigan. He had an 1,000-yard season, two consecutive 1,000-yard seasons. They got another guy, uh, Elijah Spencer. He was an 1,000-yard wide receiver at Charlotte. Uh, You got 
Chris Autumn Bell back again, professional college football player at this point, coming back for his seventh year. Like the 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 offense is a bit of a question mark, but they still got guys there. And when you look at this defense, it's it's another once again they lost a lot. But Joe Rossi, defensive coordinator in Minnesota, one of the best in the country, consistently just develops talent. You know, it's kind of the opposite of what Nebraska has been in previous eras, where they don't get great recruiting classes, but they develop in, develop them into really good college football players and even NFL players. This is a tough test. Like, no matter how you spin it, no matter how you spin it, getting Minnesota in your first game as a head coach in a new program that has been fluttering for the last 10 years and for so long has been so close yet so far away from what the expectations and what people want to accomplish uh, is tough. And and even Rule said in his press conference on Friday, and we kind of, you and I kind of brought this up, you're playing a program, you're playing P.J. Fleck, that's an established program. There is no questions of what they are going to do and how they're going to do things and how they're going to conduct themselves and what the game game plans are going to look like and what game week looks like. Everything is set in stone. Rule said, yeah, it's going to be easier for me in year two because like players come up to me and are like, what are we doing today, coach? What are we doing this week, coach? They're going to come in next year and be like, oh, yeah, this is what we do. This is how we operate. This is what every single day – you know, for Rule and his, and his program and his coaches, they're implementing their system. They're implementing this is how we do things. Yeah. And there's an advantage for Minnesota. They don't have to go through that. There's no learning curves. There's no – you can – these players can say, oh, the standard is the standard, and we know what the expectations are. I disagree with that. You know what the standard is for practice. You know what this, the expectations are for practice. But the expectations for the games – won't be truly known until you play them. And Rule knows that his evaluations of his players, and he's said this multiple times at this point, will not be known until they play the games. So there's an advantage for Minnesota just having experience, knowing what they're going to do, and knowing what they have to do to win because they've done it the last couple of years. Nebraska hasn't. It's a tough draw, but if we're drinking the Kool-Aid, it should be... It should be a a good game. If you're not drinking the Kool Aid, we'll get to that. We'll get to that when we do our our game predictions. Yes, and and I, honestly, whether you drink the Kool Aid or not, I think Minnesota plays a style with which you can still have not the best of teams uh, and still keep it close because Minnesota doesn't really blow a lot of teams out stylistically. No. So yeah, we we have our game picks coming up. We're, Matt and I are going to go game by game, give you our season. Uh, Win-loss totals, uh, we'll discuss that as well. We, we've got kind of more of a, a, a final look at what we think will happen this season for Nebraska football. In our next segment, we're going to be joined by our guest uh, today. He writes for Huskers Illustrated volleyball coverage. Yeah, let's talk about volleyball, man. Lincoln Arneal. And, and yes, that's the other volleyball uh, volleyball aspect is, is big this weekend as well because they've got the players' challenge going on yesterday, today, tomorrow. Uh, got things that started off right with Utah State yesterday. Uh, Lipscomb and SMU here this weekend as well. And then the main event outside of, you know, some some top 10 matchups uh, in the non-conference, the main event of the non-conference season is Volleyball Day in Nebraska where they very well could set a, 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 a world record, a U.S. record, if not a world record for attendance for a for a sporting event with uh, female teams and look the you have you have this program that is just a powerhouse john cook has it going every single year they're always a top five if not top 10 preseason team they're always in the ncaa tournament they're almost always in the final four for that matter and the way that the momentum has led to this particular team you've got the infusion of young talent a couple of really, really good recruiting classes back-to-back. You have some leaders that you're going to lean on. You're going to be elite defensively, of course. The offense is is going to be the thing to watch, I think, evolve over the season. And the the thing coming up on Wednesday in Memorial Stadium is just a celebration of volleyball in the state, a celebration of this program in particular. And it's going to be pretty awesome. I'm not going to be able to go – uh, to the the volleyball day in Nebraska, uh, I'm I'm getting up early and heading up to Minneapolis Thursday morning, early early Thursday morning. 
But for for those that do go, it's going to be a spectacle, the likes of which you may really never see again, if not for you know, a well, couple of decades. Un- un- until they do it again next year. They're not going to do it again next you year. You don't think they will? No. You don't think they will? They would like to do things like that every year maybe, but I think they're going to take this one. Worry about I'm, worry about the next time. I, I'm, your PBA I'm, regular I'm, season no, thing I completely, is, is much more likely. I completely than playing disagree. Fame every if they year. if they break, if they break a world record, okay, and they have all of this interaction and the weather is good and it's a good game because UNO University of Nebraska Omaha ain't mm-hmm. no pushover. Yeah, I mean they're a pretty good team. I mean they've played against Nebraska really well in the past. Like it's going to be some good volleyball and they're going to make. So much money. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> gonna make so much money to the point where it's like, all right, if it's such a great event and you made so much money, who's gonna turn that down? Like, why not do it again? I mean, there's it's just if this is the event that everyone hopes that it, it will be, and I believe that it'll be an incredible event that any everyone will remember that they were at, you know, the first one, I think why not do it again? Look, we'll get to volleyball day in Nebraska a little bit later in more detail when we when we talk to Lincoln, but I really think that this team has maybe the greatest boom or bust potential that I've seen um, from just any kind of Husker team in terms of they're so young and they're so talented that they very well in a lot of these players' first and second year of playing competitive, high-level Division One volleyball can go out and win a Big Ten title, can go out and win a national title. Or... It could be a learning year, you know. But what is a learning year for Nebraska volleyball? Like it's like four losses, yeah, instead of it, one. yeah. It's four losses and going to the Sweet Sixteen, which I will always say, you know, Andy Murdard used to say, "Hey, how do you know you're in the good old days until before you left them?" I'm here to tell you right now, yeah. we're in the good old days oh. of Nebraska volleyball. Yeah. Okay, and so like we should appreciate every single win and every single tournament run. And so when I say bust, making it to the Sweet Sixteen, I sound naive. Don't be like me. But this team has the potential to go through a lot of bumps and learning curves and and not be necessarily the product we're so used to seeing. At the same time, it's got the potential to be maybe the best volleyball team in the John Cook era. Like, not only this year, but also building into next year as well, just because of how much talent they have on this team. I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah, you could keep just about everybody for their 2024 season. Yeah, they could. Easily, and if they and if they have great success, why wouldn't why would any of them want to transfer? You know, yep. especially when, hey, ninety five thousand people went to one of our games this year. We're one of the best teams in the country, and, and like we're consistently selling out games. I mean, it's just it, it's such a great time in Nebraska volleyball. I'm so excited for volleyball day in Nebraska. It's going to be a culmination of the hard work of not only just John Cook now, but John Cook. All the work he's done in the past, all the volleyball players in the past. I really hope they bring out a lot of alumni for the tunnel walk. I hope it's it's more than just the team. I hope they get as many of former volleyball players involved in that as possible. Because I think that moment is not only for the players now, but it's been built by the players in the past. I feel like you're going to see not just some volleyball superstars that Nebraska volleyball fans will know. I think you might see superstars of all stripes sure. being there in, in that stadium. They're going to want to be there. Uh, there's a lot of uh, Big Ten and NCAA. I believe the NCAA president, Trev Albert, said he's going to be there yeah, as well. Yeah, why wouldn't he be? So, yeah, big big day uh, coming up Wednesday for volleyball. We're going to keep that volleyball conversation going right after this with Lincoln Arneal from Huskers Illustrated and VolleyballState.com. Uh, after that, Matt and I have our football game picks. We go game by game. Get you ready for the opener against Minnesota on Thursday. That's all coming up here on the KLIN Husker Hour. Giving you a complete review of the Huskers news this week. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio. 1499.3 KLIN. Husker Volleyball is starting their season here this weekend. The Players Challenge at the Devaney Center uh, with three matches uh, and then the big event on Wednesday with Volleyball Day in Nebraska, the match against UNO. Uh, here to chat with us about all of that and kind of preview the 2023 team is Lincoln Arneal, writes volleyball for Huskers Illustrated, VolleyballState.com. Lincoln, thanks for joining us. How are you? Doing well. How are you gentlemen doing? Doing pretty good. Doing so, great. Let's just start off uh, real broad. We'll get to Volleyball Day later. Uh, in terms of this season, 
Well, then infusion of young talent. You've still got some stalwarts there. Personnel-wise, what are you seeing from this roster, and, and, and what are you uh, looking forward to with, with some, some really, really good players coming back in, in All-Americans, but, but also really heralded recruits and, and players with really, really high-level potential? Yeah, I mean, this is what happens when you get a uh, number one recruiting class followed by a number two recruiting class followed by a number one recruiting class. Uh, there's just a lot of talent in the gym. Uh, I mean, Nebraska does return a lot of talent, uh, people that have uh, playing experience too, but uh, the freshmen that have come in here really kind of changed the tenor in the uh, practice gym, really kind of uh, created a level of competition that we maybe haven't seen in the last year or two. But So they really made it a good competition. They aren't content to come in and just kind of wait their turn there or grabbing the opportunity in front of them and really cranking up uh, the pressure on the upperclassmen to make sure if they want to play, they're going to have to earn it. Nothing uh, is just going to be given to them. Lincoln, you, you kind of touched on it with, you know, number one recruiting class, number two to number one. You know, you've been covering the team for a little bit now. Have you seen a more talented team than than this one in Nebraska volleyball? No, I, I think the thing that's surprising is a lot of teams have that high-level talent, but it's the depth that Nebraska has that really kind of sets it apart from other other programs in Nebraska over the last uh, five, six years. It's just the depth. I mean, they you saw in the red-white scrimmage, I mean, they go three deep, four deep at every single position. And really, and it's not it's not like, oh, there's clearly a backup right there. It's, no, this person probably could start at most Big Ten schools and really give the run for the money, so... Uh, it, there's, it's the depth that really sets Nebraska apart and makes them makes that talent really kind of rise to the top. Lincoln Arneal joining us here talking volleyball on the eve of the CU. I guess got got started last night with the match against Utah State. Lincoln, we all know the setter battle is going to be one to watch. Uh, you can you can speak on this one as well, but also what other position battles or, or maybe even battles over roles on this squad are you looking forward to seeing play out over the season? Yeah, I think this first weekend we'll see. Uh, both setters take their take take their turn starting, and both Bergen Riley and Kennedy Orr get a chance to run the offense too. And I think that's just kind of seen how uh, they handle the pressure of starting and running an offense for an entire match too. But I there's not many positions that are settled completely. I mean, they could change from match to match, especially during this first weekend too. Outside here, there's four four quality. I mean, you may think that Hayden Kubik is maybe a, a step below or half step below the other three, but she put on the show in that red-white scrimmage and really can, uh, really can hit the ball with a heavy arm and, and terminate at a high high rate too. So I think outside hitter, I mean both Harper Murray's really been impressive. I would be surprised if she doesn't get a lot of playing time, uh, and then we'll probably see some rotation between Lindsey Krause and Allie Batenhorst as well too. So uh, there's a lot of a lot of unknowns. I mean, I, there's probably only a few positions where we feel confident to say that this person is going to start and. They probably put the put their name in the lineup every single match. Merritt Beeson at opposite, and then um, Lexi Rodriguez at uh, Libero too. But I think that those are probably the two most. And then maybe Becca Alec, I think, has a little bit more experience over the other two middle blockers. But uh, especially early on, I mean, Nebraska is going to get some tough matches here pretty quick. But I, you could see John Cook kind of tinker a little bit and find the right combination and right positions for each of those uh, each of the players on his team. Lincoln, we talk a lot about the depth, a lot about the talent, just the immense amount of it. But, you know, this isn't necessarily no team is perfect, right? If this was a perfect team, they'd be the number one team. And there's just that just doesn't exist. So if you were to give me I want I don't want flaws, a harsh word. But if you were to give me one concern about this team, what would that be? I think it's the ability to terminate. Nebraska last year really struggled with their hitting percentages. A lot of errors, a lot of, I mean, both unforced and forced errors by opponents. Uh, just, but the ability to terminate, I think, is uh, is going to be key for how, how far this team goes in the season, too. Uh, I think last year was one of the lowest hitting percentages they had. And, I mean, maybe one, one time in the last 10, 15 years, too, they had a hitting percentage lower than what they put up last year. So I think the ability to figure out what offense they're running, what hitter, the setter-hitter combination, too, will play a large role into that, too. So I think that's what I'm really looking forward to, the success of this team, is that they get that hitting percentage up. They get it, I mean, 270, 280, even closer to, I mean, the really elite teams in the nation hit around 300 as a team. So 
that's going to be the big question of Nebraska is how efficient can they be with their offense? Um, can they terminate when they need to? And who is doing that? Talking Husker Volleyball with Lincoln Arneal from Huskers Illustrated and VolleyballState.com. Uh, Lincoln, nationally, Nebraska's ranked fifth, tied for fifth in the preseason poll. Uh, you've got teams like Texas, Wisconsin, Stanford, Louisville above them. And and in terms of the Big Ten, obviously, you always have a, pr- a pretty big challenge in that conference. Minnesota and Penn State are right there nipping on Nebraska's heels in the top ten. What is the outlook on the conference, and, and where do you see Nebraska fitting in? Is it going to come down to that last weekend as it typically does with, with the Wisconsin and Minnesota matchups? Yes. I, I mean, look, if you look at who's coming back, kind of the depth and the personnel everyone has, um, if Nebraska takes care of business, it should come down to that last week. Uh, but that's one thing about having such a young team that hasn't gone through a lot of the rigors of the Big Ten is uh, who slips up. I mean, that, that can also determine who uh, wins that Big Ten race. Do you go on the road and drop a match at Indiana, or are you making sure you're getting out of the Michigan road trip weekend unscathed? So that's, that's kind of the determining factor of the Big Ten race. But I think that, I mean, the, the four teams you mentioned there, Ohio, uh, Penn State, Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Nebraska, those four teams should rise to the top. Um, I, I really like Nebraska's chances this year, but Wisconsin is also just incredibly loaded. They added two all-conference players last year from last year from in the transfer portal. They just have so many weapons, so many hitters, and they just – have consistency over the last few years, and they've also had Nebraska's numbers. So not only does Nebraska need to outperform them, they need to get over the mental block, and maybe that's a little bit where that inexperience could help Nebraska. Several players have never played Wisconsin. So that's going to be the challenge for Nebraska is to figure out Wisconsin. I think Wisconsin is the prohibitive favorite this year, um, but there are a couple of the teams in the race, though. Can Nebraska figure out, figure out that Wisconsin problem, and if they do, they have a very good chance to uh, come out on top. Lincoln, we're on we're on the heels of maybe one of the biggest days in Nebraska athletic history, in all honesty, with Volleyball Day in Nebraska, the, the volleyball game at Memorial Stadium, which is trending to have upwards of 90,000 people there for a volleyball game, which would break the record for a volleyball game attendance and could be a world record for just a women's sporting event in general. What are you looking forward to the most Lincoln on for volleyball day in Nebraska? Uh, to quit having to worry about the weather. <laughs> I think that, that, I mean, everyone, we're Nebraskans. Uh, I grew up on a farm. We like to talk about the weather, but I think that's been kind of the, as, as it gets closer and closer, like, well, what's it going to be like? What's the humidity sure. going to be like? Sure. Is it, are they going to wear sunglasses or was it going to be too hot? So uh, I, I, I'm going to look forward to be talking about the weather, but I think there's a couple other things that just come with that as, um, what's the buzz going to be like, too? I mean, this is something that no one has experienced of what it's like playing a volleyball match in front of a packed football stadium. And uh, even some of the grizzled junior veterans on Nebraska team, they'll be nervous about it, too. So I mean, they've never gone through it. John Cook, who and everything he's ever seen on, in his volleyball career, has never coached an environment like this, too. So it's going to be something brand new for everyone to deal with. So, I mean, even if there's a slight breeze, how will that affect the uh, the indoor ball? I mean, there's a different ball when you play indoor indoor uh, volleyball as opposed to when they play beach volleyball. It's a little bit heavier, so it's not as affected by the wind. So th- there's just a lot of little things that are questioned, but um, it's, it's going to be an unbelievable atmosphere. And uh, I think that Nebraska fans usually rise to the occasion. And even if it is a little bit warm, they will uh, they'll show up and they'll uh, make their, sure their voices are heard. They they still sold out that that concert for Pink on Monday night up in Omaha. That was that was way worse humidity and heat than they'll have to deal with Wednesday. I'm pretty sure they'll. Yeah, they'll, and I went I went to a baseball game uh, on Thursday night up in Omaha, and I mean it was over 100 degrees too. But once the sun kind of went down, and it was it was warm, but it was bearable. It wasn't. I, granted, yeah. I also was not doing anything physical. I was just sitting there. So <laughs> uh, if, if, it, if it holds up from what the weather was like on Thursday night, then it should be, it should mean it's going to be a decent, decent weather. So yeah, here's, here's to a cool night and and very little breeze to affect that, uh, that ball. Uh, Hey, Lincoln Arneal, uh, volleyballstate.com and Huskers illustrated uh, great stuff on the Husker volleyball team coming up here for 2023. Uh, We appreciate the time. Thanks a lot. You bet. Thanks guys. Appreciate having me on. Thanks Lincoln. All right. There's Lincoln Arneal at, Really, really will be a sight to see on Wednesday. Absolutely. It's a spectacle. Are you going to that? 
Uh, yeah, I'm a student for that too. I'm not there working. Go, yeah. I'm I'm there. I'm enjoying it. So between you and I, yeah, you, you've got Wednesday covered. Yeah, I've got Thursday covered. I'll be up I know. there. We're, I'll be there. We're gonna we're gonna break that down along with our season picks. We're going game by game, all football season, all twelve. We've got them lined up. Right after this, you will see Matt McMaster's record, Cole Stukenholz's record. Where we got them finishing, and we'll get you ready for that Minnesota opener. Uh, that's all coming up here on the KLI and Husker Hour right after this. Husker football, basketball, baseball, and beyond. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1499.3 KLIN. Great to chat with Lincoln Arneal on volleyball. If you missed that, definitely make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your podcast feed of choice. We are the KLIN Husker Hour. You can also find us on Twitter at KLIN Huskers. You can find us on Facebook at KLIN Huskers. That's where we're at right now. And if you are listening to this in an audio format, you should go find the Facebook of this show, the Facebook Live video, because we are going game picks. It's happening right now. Yeah. You've all been waiting for it, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> You've been the, doing it all offseason yourself. Segment, Don't act like you haven't been. The segment of the year. <laughs> what, you've been, what you've been listening to Husker out for the last, what, uh, what was the end of the Scott Frost era? How many days ago? Let's call it 282 days. Yeah, sure. Sounds right. Something like that. Here we go. You want to go first? Do you, you want to go first? Kenny, here? do you have? Kenny, you ready matter. to go? Doesn't matter who. Go. All right. I'll, go ahead. You, you kick us off. Minnesota, Thursday, under the lights. Matt Huntington Rules, Bank Stadium. First game. The start of the era begins with yeah. a loss, 31-21 to in Minnesota. You, don't, you have scores for every game? I got scores for oh every God. single game. I don't have scores. I just have win and loss. You didn't send your scores to Kenny? I didn't send you scores. You got to send your scores. Wow. You were supposed to send scores. I, I just scored have every loss. single game. Congrats. You, got, you get extra credit. I appreciate it. All right. Let's, oh, I also have Nebraska losing to Minnesota. That is a loss. Colorado. Win, 31-10. Restart the music. Yeah, I have Nebraska winning at Colorado, thirty-one to ten. Wow. Yeah, butt whooping. I do not respect Colorado whatsoever. Okay. Northern, Northern Illinois. Illinois first game, win thirty twenty-one. Yep, I like Nebraska to win the Matt Rule home opener as well. Louisiana Tech, twenty-four ten win. Win. All right, I'll go win as well. That's uh, both of us haven't veered away from each other. It's three and one, three Week and one. Five, the Michigan Wolverines, best team in the country. Best team in the country. Come, they will be. I think they will be the number one team in the country. They will come to Memorial wow. Stadium. They will be playing a three and one Nebraska Cornhusker team, and win thirty one to seventeen. Yeah, I like Michigan to roll that one uh, at Illinois. This one might be where we get interesting. I have a loss. Illinois is incredible up front on both sides of the ball. I think they bully Nebraska. They win seventeen to ten. I think Illinois wins that as well. I, I think, yeah, Brett Bielema is going to have those lines ready to play. And that takes us into the bye. Both of us at 3-3. Three and three. Northwestern coming off the bye. I don't think Northwestern will win one game this season. It, it is 12. that wow. big of a train wreck. I think it's a and celebration. I think it's a celebration like it was a couple of years ago in 2021. It was a celebration at Memorial. When Nebraska won, it will be that again. Uh, Nebraska wins 31-3. I like Nebraska to roll over Northwestern as well. That's a winning record, folks. 4-3. and three. Now Purdue next week. Homecoming. Yeah. Build some momentum. 24-20 win for Nebraska. I feel like Purdue's just lost so much, especially on the defensive end. I like Ryan Walters, but I don't think they get it done at Memorial. I feel like Nebraska's going to get a little too high on their own sure. supply. Sure. And I think they're going to come crashing back down to earth. It's going to be a loss to Purdue. At okay. Michigan State, game number nine. I think it's a close one. I think Michigan State wins 30-27. to 27. Michigan State. I have Michigan State winning that one as well. I think the Spartans get it done out in East Lansing. So 4-5 and five for me, 5-4 and four for you. Now home for Maryland. I think this is the letdown game of the season. I think this is the trap game. I think this is uh, if you're going to go to a bowl, you have to beat them today. you got to beat Maryland at home. And I, I think they just can't do it. Maryland wins 24-21. I agree. They have one of the best starting quarterbacks returning in they the Big do. Ten. Talia Tagovailoa, such a good quarterback. Loxley, I think, is is figuring it out over there. I think they do win in Lincoln. Uh, so that makes you five and five, and I'm four and six at this point. At Wisconsin, lost thirty to twenty four. 
I also like Wisconsin. I think they're, I mean, Luke Fickle is going to figure out that offense and the defense he is definitely going to figure out. That gives you a five and six record coming to the Iowa game. I'm already out of bowl eligibility at four and seven. Does Nebraska make it to six and six, Matt? They have an opportunity to go to the bowl. First time six years. Your rival comes in. And they win twenty-five to seventeen. And the Iowa, Iowa, oh! And their offensive coordinator keeps their job by the chin <laughs> of his twenty-five to seventeen. That's on purpose. There, they go for two on their oh final touchdown, so the Ferentz son can keep his job, and Nebraska does not go dancing once again. I have Nebraska winning Ugh. a two-game win streak against Iowa, but. They will have already lost seven games, so that'll be a five and seven record for me as well. That means both you and I have Nebraska going five and seven. It's tough. Man. I didn't think you were trending in that direction. As high as you've been on on some on of the uh, certain, position groups, on and... certain on certain position groups, yeah, there are certain people I believe in. Okay, that does not necessarily mean that I was completely drinking the Kool Aid and that I'm uh, completely off the reservoir. I think I've always said that this team will be better than it was last year. And five and seven is better than four and eight. I don't know. I think they got a they they get a bit of a. I'm just not ready to count them in for an upset. Yeah, I'm just not ready for, to just be like, oh, you got momentum. Maryland isn't the best team. You're going to play them at home. I think last year a lot of people would have been like, yeah, that's an automatic win, dude. Like that's yeah, like you got momentum. Like this is a really good team. Like that's yeah. a Maryland win is drinking the Kool-Aid. A Michigan State win is drinking the Kool-Aid because they're like, oh, my God, Michigan State lost a ton. Mel Tucker had a terrible year last year. That offensive line, you know, was not good. So on. They don't have the same running game they did with Kenneth Walker. They got a brand-new quarterback. Alane Brown, who was a Nebraska transfer, is going to end up being their second wide receiver. Yeah. You know, and it's like they're they're going to kind of have to rely on freshman Antonio, or not freshman, but Antonio Gage Jr., who hasn't even seen the field, to be like, there. there's just like a lot of question marks with Michigan State. And I think if you were drinking the Kool-Aid, you'd be like, yeah, they beat them at home. Or be, they beat them on the road. I, I'm not. I'm not that far into it. I think they're going to be better. I think there's going to be some spurts of good and, and, and obviously some spurts of bad. I... I think, though, they probably don't beat Purdue last year, right? Like, you know, like, I think they'll, or they didn't beat, you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, they have the ability to win a couple of those games and make it close, but, like, I think Illinois matches up terribly with them. Like, I think Illinois is such a good matchup for Illinois, and, yeah, no, just. I, I feel the same way. Illinois and Minnesota both kind of stand out to me as bad matchups for this team. They're, just the way they're, they're constructed. Really, they're not good matchups at all. They're not experienced or deep or, or old enough at defensive line. Nebraska, no. uh, in my opinion. And and the offensive line, while maybe they have improved in the offseason, I still think there's there's maybe a certain ceiling that they have reached uh, or, or may reach bec- because of what we've already seen, what's already priced into – uh, some of the guys that are going to be playing a lot on this line. They've got a lot of experience. They have a lot of starts. They're top 20 or top 25 in terms of uh, uh, starts on that offensive line, uh, Nebraska is. Uh, so that part of it could work in their favor. It's just it's it's a lot to ask out of them in the first year to expect them to develop into a bowl team, and I, I was I was closer. I don't know if you were closer to, to 6-6 six and six or 4-8. and eight. I was closer to 4-8. and eight. I, I was closer to 6-6. Six and six. Okay. I, I was really because to me Colorado and IU La Tech I I mean I really think there's no excuse for losing any of those games they're not going to beat Michigan once again Illinois is a terrible matchup Northwestern's a dumpster fire Purdue lost a lot and they're at home that's why I give them a four point win but then look they have a three point loss against Michigan State they have a three point loss against Maryland. I, Wisconsin like have happened with three point losses. Yeah, I'm just saying, no, no, but, know, but it's I, just I, like they're yeah, close games. Like I, it's close. Sure, sure. Like it's close for me. If I were really like all in it, I would probably I would probably be seven and five, then five and seven. It's just I kind of started to say it last year with this team. I have to see it to believe it. Okay, 
And it's not necessarily I have to see the offensive line to believe it. I have to see the defensive line to believe it. I have to – no, no, no. I need to see this team fully together as one engine, as one car, as one vehicle, as one team work together to win the game. The def- If I see it from the defensive line, the defensive line is great. Awesome. But if the O-line is terrible or the wide receivers can't get open or, like, other pieces of this team can't put it together, who cares about a D-line? You're going to have a great D-line, still be 4-8. and eight. You're going to have a great secondary, still be 3-9. and nine. Mm-hmm. So in order for anyone, in my opinion, to really be like, oh, yeah, they're going to win these close games against teams like Maryland, against teams like Michigan State, where they're comparative in terms of roster and makeup, you need to see them win them. And the last seven years, and I really don't care that it's a new era. I don't care that it's a new coach. I, I, it's still Nebraska. And so I just it's have to see. It's still players who haven't won. Exactly. And they need to and learn how to And it's still sort of the same. You can be like, well, it's a brand new era. But it's still the same makeup. Two-thirds of the guys on the roster are still. It's still. It's not completely different. Yeah. You know, this isn't Colorado where they brought in, you know, 50 new people, which I think is a terrible way of building a college football team. And I hope that they fail because of it. Yeah. But like, I, I just need I just need to see it. I just need to see them win those games. We will get to see it on Thursday. That is uh, five days away. I, I'm going to be we, honest with you. Yeah, there's not a fiber in my being that thinks that they're going to beat Minnesota. Minnesota's style. We can is talk what about in the next segment. They could. They could hang with them because Minnesota's not going to blow you out. Most times. So, it, yeah, we, we've got that next. Uh, I want to break down uh, some of the depth chart yeah. information we found out yesterday, as well as take a closer look at this Minnesota matchup and get you ready for Thursday, the home opener, the uh, home opener, the Matt Rule opener, the first game of the 2023 season. Uh, we're previewing that next here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Talking with current and former Huskers and those that cover the Big Red. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. Now time to take a little bit closer look at this Nebraska-Minnesota football matchup. It's going to be 7 o'clock on Thursday night, the first game of the Matt Rule era. And we've broken down a little bit of it so far, Matt, in, in this show with the, the season picks and, and the game-by-game picks that we just did. But I, I, looking at closer at this game and some of the things that Minnesota does well, this is part of why the style is, is not going to suit Nebraska quite yet. I mean, eventually Matt Rule and his plan and, and what he wants to do with this, with this program – it, it may end up not being a bad matchup, but right now I'm just going to run down to things from last season that Minnesota was top 20 nationally in. Give it to me. Top 20 nationally in these categories. Rushing offense, just the raw numbers. Rushing defense, pass defense, total defense, scoring defense, third down offense conversion, third down defense conversion allowed, kickoff return yardage, penalties, total, and penalty yardage, average per game, and turnovers lost, only 13 given up. Top 20 nationally in all of those categories. Does that sound like a good matchup for what we've seen uh, from this Nebraska program over the last few years? Just the third downs, that that part of it, maybe they've, maybe they've, uh, the way they're going to lean on the run game and the short passing game with Billy Kemp and, and the tight ends, maybe they're setting themselves up for better situations on third downs where they've been in a lot of third and longs in recent memory. Maybe they are able to clean up a little bit of the turnover and penalty issues that have plagued this team for not just Frost, but for Riley and going back sometimes to Bo Pelini as well. But to fix all of those things in one off season, that is a tall task. And it's not to say that Minnesota is going to be in the exact same place that they were in 2022, but they've got us. They've got an established culture there, and what they do well. And I don't think they're going to backslide that much if they don't reach those same benchmarks. Those are bad matchups for Nebraska. Will they win? So last three full seasons. So not counting twenty twenty. Yeah. Last three full seasons, this Minnesota team has won nine or more games. Eleven in twenty nineteen. The football that they play. The best way to describe it, Cole is good football. They hold the ball. 
they're gonna they're gonna tire you out. They're gonna bully you up front. They're gonna be efficient on third down, both on offense and defense. They're not gonna they're gonna bend, but they don't break. They play good quarters defense. You know, they, they got four guys back typically. They funnel, you know, routes and, and runs within one another. I mean, they're really well coached, both from PJ Fleck and Joe Rossi. They have a system, they're established, they're efficient. They know the talent they have, they recruit to the system they want, and they go and they perform. That's just good football from a good football program. And it really is the opposite of which this program has been the last decade. But it is what Matt Rule admittingly wants to be. He said in his last press conference, Minnesota plays football like I how like like how I want to play football. We want to run the ball. We want to be good at defense. We want to hold possession. We want to be tough. We want to play grown man football. So it really is the opposite of what Nebraska has been, and it's an incredibly tough matchup. But that's all from a system and program standpoint. Yeah. From a talent standpoint, I don't think Nebraska's too far off. They I, haven't been far off from the rest of the no, West for years. For years, but I'm that's just never saying, been but, the problem. But no, but no, right. no, no. But I'm just talking about this game individually in a micro assessment. Yeah. I'm not talking like macro, sure. And we all know that talent hasn't been the problem, and other things have been. But we are no longer at that point where we know for sure that coaching and system is the problem. You know what I'm saying? Because right. We don't have the same. We're all in the impression We're, that things have been changed has, and changed for the better. Exactly. Yeah. So, I'm a little bit more in the past. I would not have been as inclined to look at Minnesota as well. They lost a lot of offensive line, which is, I mean, the O line's a big question mark. Mm. They don't have their bell cow and Mo Ibrahim anymore. Kyle Kamanis, you know, showed flashes of high upside and great athleticism, but he also had a sub. 60% completion percentage mm-hmm. last year. You get Autumn Bell back, but then your next best wide receiver is a guy who was playing in a non-Power 5 competition. Brevin Span Ford, their tight end, is incredible. Really good tight end. He's going to end up being a preseason. Uh, you know, He could have a—I don't know if he's a preseason All-Big Ten, but he very well could make an All-Big Ten team. He's probably a top three-round NFL draft pick. And so in the defense, it's like— you can the one thing about Joe Rossi in this defense is like, oh, they lost a lot of guys and they don't have a ton of talent. Well, that's what it's always been. Yeah. It's always been they lose guys that have a t- they don't have a ton of talent, and yet he comes back and he's one of the best in the country. So it's like, from a talent standpoint, though, I think Nebraska, you could argue, has a slight edge. It's just is all of this talk about the system and the standard and this is how we do things and this is how we react and this is my team's going to play this and that. If all that is true and it's all down in, in close to the level of Minnesota, I think they can win this game. Mm. I don't think that's going to happen. And it has nothing to do with my personal belief of coach rule. It has nothing to do with my personal belief of any of that coaching staff. I think what they're doing is – a breath of fresh air isn't even the right term. It's like a flood of fresh air, you know, just just how they conduct themselves and how they talk about their players and how they talk about their program and, like, not only what they say but how they act. Yeah. Because they can say all this stuff, but then they go into the dorms mm-hmm. and they make them eat. And they and you look at these guys and they come out of these locker rooms and you're like, oh, my God, Nash Hutmacher, like – Put on some lean muscle mass. Blaze Gunnarsson looks great. Like there, there's some action that you're seeing. Do I think it's all going to come together in the first game of the Matt Rule era? No. And I think it's almost impossible to think that, which is why I just don't think they're going to win this game. If they played this game in week five or week six or week seven or week eight, it'd be a completely different discussion. But week one, no. It'd be a, yeah. Go ahead. I don't know that I would take a different team to win it, but I agree that Nebraska would be, you know, they, you maybe work out some kinks. You start to establish some of the things that you really, really want uh, to, to work and, and you're going to lean on. And you find some strengths that maybe you didn't find that you didn't, weren't aware of when that first game sure. gets played. So, so yeah, all of those, all of those things, I, I, I do agree. It's, it's a tough draw to get this game week one. 
That being said, it is week one. And, and one more guy I want to mention on Minnesota's side before we look closer at Nebraska, uh, Tyler Newbin is one of the best safeties in the country, uh, pro prospect um, at safety. Uh, something to think about if, if Jeff Sims wants to go deep or, or, or maybe uh, even in fill in the hole. Uh, on run, uh, run defense as well. And having having a great safety is such an underrated. It's kind of that that position secondary. I think it gets overlooked. But look at what Illinois did last year with their secondary and those two, Jartavius Martin and Sidney Brown. I mean, those yeah. two top sixty six picks. I mean, killed teams all year just because of their impact. And yeah, it's yeah. great. A great shot by you. Yeah. So looking closer at Nebraska, and and we had the depth chart release yesterday. The the long awaited depth chart is out, and Matt Rule. Very upfront, he's like, "Yeah, we're gonna put out the depth chart. We're not gonna lie about it. We're gonna tell you what's going on." Well, he's like, "I was right there. I was standing five feet away from him." And he goes, "I've never been asked about depth chart <laughs> like more in my entire life." More welcome to Lincoln moments are coming. Yeah, coach, yeah, 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 yeah. So there's there's some, I would say, interesting... give me your first surprise. Your first, you read Cole. You're sitting at home, got a nice cup of coffee. Someone slaps this in front of you. You read it and you say, "Well, I didn't see that coming." So. One of the things that surprised me, and maybe it shouldn't have because I knew that Gabe Irvin was starting, but Anthony Grant as third string and not as an or in the second spot yeah. with Ramir Johnson, that was a little bit interesting. I think the first thing that most people took away was, holy crap, Alex Bullock is starting. Yeah. Mar- Marcus Washington may not be the starter partially due to injury because he had that hand injury or wrist injury and, and just wasn't able to stay healthy during fall camp, and that may be why Bullock is given this opportunity. But the fact that Alex Bullock is starting is, and we do this all the time with walk-ons who end up playing, it is, A, pretty awesome to see. And, you know, just, just the fact that somebody, you get on the team, you work hard, and you earn a starting spot or, or playing time at all. Uh, at the same time, B, it does speak to the lack of experience, the lack of, it's, I guess it's not lack of depth necessarily because they do have a lot of guys at that position, but there's only six wide receivers listed on the first depth chart. You got Kemp and Fleeks in the slot, Bullock and Washington at one wide receiver spot, and then Ty Hahn backing up Isaiah, Isaiah Garcia Castaneda at the other spot. Only six listed. You don't even have any of the true freshmen on the depth chart. I think that's a message from Matt Rule to say, hey, guys, you do have a long way to go. Yes, we don't have a lot of guys with experience and, and maybe even talent, just raw talent, raw ability, compared to guys like Malachi Coleman and Jaden Doss and the rest of those freshmen. But he is sending a message that, number one, you, you do need to have a certain level of understanding of how to play college football and just be a college athlete, which Alex Bullock has that leg up on them. And, and secondly, you also need to play hard in practice. You need to practice hard. Clearly, Alex and John Bullock both have been practicing really hard because both of them have earned uh, – John Bullock earned a scholarship. He's backing up. And so uh, did Alex Bullock. And Alex Bullock is now on scholarship officially as well. So Alex, the, both of them have earned scholarships, which is pretty sweet. Uh, those Bullock boys are making some noise. So so that those two things on offense, Anthony Grant being third string and Alex Bullock starting are pretty interesting. Also offensively, Borg Kircher and Fedoni tied – yeah, uh, in, in in an or spot. That doesn't surprise me, and and I think it's it's Borks to lose, but I don't think Bork will ever lose it. I think no matter what, even if they put Fedoni just straight up one on the depth chart later into the season, you're going to see some Nate Borkature on the field because he's just yeah. They're going to play football. some tight ends. Um, I got I got a little. First off, Anthony Grant. They just said at a press conference he's been fumbling the ball too much. Yeah, I mean that's why he's third. Let me give you a little – I'm going to take – I like what you said about the wide receivers, but I have a different takeaway. And yeah. I know we've got to go quickly. we kind of got to get out of the segment in a second. But Alex Bullock, Marcus Washington, IGC, Ty Hahn, Billy Kemp, Josh Fleeks, none of them were offered scholarships by the previous era of coaching. All of them are either transfers or walk-ons. Yeah, okay? six of them. And it just speaks to – just kind of the failure of developing those high-level talents that they had at wide receiver. And I think that it should be a warning and a little bit of a, a hey, things have got to change here in this program to Garrett McGuire and Matt Rule because none of the guys that are going to be starting in the first era were even offered a scholarship by the previous one, which I think is quite incredible. Uh, another little interesting thing here, we've been talking a lot about Barrett Liebentritt. Yeah. Um, Janeer and Bonner, 
him, him and yeah. an or. So yeah. those are the, it'll those are the be interesting to see one, though, because Bonner was a tight end who kind of worked into wide receiver, and now he's at that fullback. And Liebentrot, is it Liebentrot? Or? Liebentritt. Okay. I've heard so many different pronunciations of his name. He was asked at a press conference, like, hey, why do you like to play fullback? And he's like, I love to hit people. That's just what he said. And you have endeared yourself to every Husker fan ever. Well, <laughs> it's just what I take away from that is I wouldn't be surprised if, like, fullback dives with Janir and Bonner, if they're yeah. going to pass maybe with the fullback, or maybe they, maybe they want to flood him out towards the non-boundary side. Or, like, you know, you could see some different fullback packages yeah. that depends on whether or not they want to utilize them, dependent on which one is out there. I think that's really interesting. Yeah, hey, uh, if, if you give me one player that I can guarantee scores a touchdown in Thursday's game, give me Barrett Liebentritt. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Everybody in this state will, uh, will be a whole be calm about it. Excited. Uh, all right, uh, wrapping things up. Uh, you gave your score pick for this game. I will do that next, right after this Husker Hour. Your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers is right here. You're listening to the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. Hey, don't forget about watch list season, uh, Senior Bowl watch, Bryce Benhart, Ben Scott, Anthony Grant, Quentin Newsom, Luke Reimer, Ty Robinson, all on the Senior Bowl watch list. And uh, congrats to Prince of Mukamara, uh, announced his retirement, retired as a giant, last first-round pick from Nebraska, uh, it's been 12 years since a first rounder. Is there one on this roster? We shall see. Uh, let's uh, let's make our picks again. Minnesota, Nebraska, Thursday night. Uh, you gave us your score earlier. Do it again for us. I have it. We got to pull it up. All right, I'll pull mine up then. Wait, uh, wait. I got to find Kenny Larrabee. I, I got to look him up in my. Uh... I'll get, I'll do mine. So I, I I do like Nebraska actually to keep it close, relatively close for most of the game. But I do think Minnesota will win 27-20. They're going to figure out some stuff, too, but they, they, they have an established program and they know how to win, and, and I think they're stronger on the lines. 31-21. 31-21. I think it'll be close. Like I don't think it's yeah. going to be a butt-whooping, but yeah. like I think it'll be like at, at the fourth quarter, pull away, might be a turnover or two that, that bites. I just think it's, it's too early for me in the Matt Rule era to not think that the cobwebs of the past aren't completely gone. But I do think, though, that this team has a vision, and they have a vision for that roster. And good things can come later in the year. But I just think it's a little—it's just too early to play a team like this. That's really what it comes down to. It's too early to play a program like Minnesota, even if they aren't what they were in years past. Yeah, I agree. All right, uh, volleyball. They've got Lipscomb today, SMU tomorrow, and then Volleyball Day in Nebraska the numbers to remember, 90,185 is the U.S. record. 91,648 is the world record for a women's sporting event. Let's go get it, Husker Nation. All right, volleyball up all week, and then uh, Husker football on Thursday. We're back next Saturday to talk about it all. Go Big Red.